Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis 5 genealogies on how at 65 years old, Enoch began to walk, talk, pray, and trust God without ceasing, and how Enoch became a friend of God and was never the same from that time on. Now, we have so much to be thankful for. Are you thankful for the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you thankful for thousands of years that the Jewish people preserve the scriptures for us today so that we could better understand who God is and have his written word to encourage us? Many of those faithful Jewish people in the Old Testament, as well as the Lord Jesus Christ himself, would want us to reach their lost relatives. They are God's chosen nation of people, but most of Israel today, the vast majority, is lost. And Tom Cantor and all of us here at Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries want to reach God's lost nation of brothers and sisters. Now, will you help us to do that? With a gift amount of $10 or more of support to reach lost Jewish people, we will send you Tom Cantor's life story and a wonderful track, and also, How Would You Learn the True Meaning of Christmas?, that's also another track that you can give out at Christmas time or Hanukkah. Support this Bible teaching radio program and Jewish evangelism by calling us now at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher on Friendship with God. Father, thank you so much for the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, that you have not left us without, Lord, your testimony, Lord, without the record Without, Lord, the means by which you speak to our hearts, you have so much to say to us, Lord Jesus, and yet you said, but you're not ready. And so we pray this morning, Lord, that we would be ready to hear from you and receive from you the blessing that comes through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, if you follow along here in uh, Genesis, Genesis chapter 5, and uh, we're just going to read this passage here. It's Genesis 5. 24, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And Methuselah lived 180 and seven years and begat Lamech. And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech 780 and two years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were 960 and nine years, and he died. And Lamech lived 180 and two years and begat a son, and he called his name Noah, saying, This same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. And Lamech lived after he begat Noah five hundred ninety and five years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Lamech were seven hundred seventy and seven years, and he died. And Noah was five hundred years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Chapter 6, verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. All right? Last week, we focused on this second great practice of the people of God that made them different 
from the people without God. And that practice started by a man named Enoch. And it says he walked with God in verse 22. Verse 24, Enoch walked with God. That was the great practice of the people of God. That's what made them distinctive. That's what made them different from the other people. It says in chapter 4, verse 26, that the first thing that made them different from the other people was this man named Enos, who was born to Seth, and it says that when he came, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. And Enoch walked with God, and Enos called on the name of the Lord. And Enoch was not, for God took him. And last week we imagined, we were kind of joking around, but we had our little Clint Eastward, and we sat down, Enoch's psychotherapist, and we asked him, you know, what was Enoch like? And if we just imagine that if he said, oh, Enoch, what a worrier he was. You know, he always was worried about dying. He saw people dying and worried about that he was going to die. And we worried about when he was going to die and how he was going to die. And, you know, and of course, we know it didn't happen. And we would have said, Enoch, you fool, what are you doing? You're worrying about something that's not going to happen. And how often that happens with us. We just spend our time worrying about that. But what was so amazing about Enoch was that he discovered something that was not known before. And what he discovered was that it was possible for a man to walk with God. That that was within the realm of possibility. And so, you know, again, we set the chair there and Enoch comes sit down there and I'll talk to you and talk to us a little bit, Enoch. And Enoch, you know, tell me, what was, if we asked him, what was the most amazing truth that you learned in life? And without hesitation, Enoch would say to us, well, let me tell you, the most amazing thing I have discovered in life is that it was possible for me to walk with God. You can't believe it. That's what Enoch would say. You just can't believe it. I found out that my life could be like a continual companionship with God. That in my life I could be always walking with God. That was amazing for me to discover it. It absolutely changed my life. It absolutely transformed me. And we might say to Enoch, you know, say, well, Enoch, were you born this way? You were born this way, walking with God? I mean, can you remember a time when you didn't walk with God? Did you always walk with God? You know, kind of probe into that when question. And to that response, Enoch would respond, Of course not, he would say to us. What's the matter with you? Don't you read Genesis? (laughs) He would say 5, 21 and 22. It says, it says Enoch lived 65 years and he begat Methuselah. And then he says, Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. See? So in other words, Enoch say, look, just like the verses are trying to tell you. He says, my life completely changed when I was 65 years old. He said, the first chapter one of my life was not walking with God. And then when my firstborn son, when he was born, when my son was born, I don't know what kind of son he must have had, but anyway, something happened in his life must have been very dramatic. But whatever it was, he says, that was the time when I started to walk with God. And I walked with God, and that was chapter two of my life. You call that chapter walking with God. Chapter 1, not walking with God, 65 years. Chapter 2, 300 years, walking with God. This is so wonderful. He said, I was walking with God. 
and as we talked about last week, and I took one step one day, and I ended up in heaven, and I'm still walking with God. And so then we would ask, uh, well, what happened to you when you were 65 years old that made you want to walk with God? And Enoch might say to us, you know, life before, it was okay, the 65 years. I mean, it was okay, but it was not enough. You know, I knew God. I was a part of the people of God. And I, along with all my people, we were calling on the name of the Lord. We were praying people. But there was just something about my life that was just not enough. See, that's what the key thing is for me. Just not enough. Somehow, you know, it was just kind of all about myself. I was sort of sick of myself. Somehow I was lonely. And I felt that I only had myself to talk with in my life. I just wanted less of me, more of God. And so I said to myself one day, you know, Enoch might say this, said to myself one day, you know, I wonder if I could get closer to God. I wonder if that would be possible. I wonder if I could have a life where every moment I was in the presence of God, I knew it, that I was in the presence of God, that he would be like a constant companion to me. And if I could just start a conversation with God that never ended, you know, if I could pick up the receiver on the phone to God and never put it down. I wonder if that could happen. I wonder if I could just have a life with God that was so open, that was so honest, where I would be that way with God. And God would be that way with me. And he would teach me. And we could just have that kind of life together. That's different See than what he had in his first 65 years. And he could say, look, I knew about praying. I knew about calling on the name of God. I did that. But this time... I called on the name of God, and I asked if I could be a temple of God. If I could be the temple of God where God would live. See? And to my great surprise, Enoch would tell us, he did. God made my body the temple in which he lived. And that's what Enoch would say to us if we talked to him, we interviewed him, and he would tell us that this great change happened in his life when he was 65 years old. Even though he knew God, this was not a question of knowing God. And then he'd say, look, I had 300 wonderful years on earth in which I walked with God. And you can't compare the 300 years that I walked with God with the 65 years that I didn't. Because it's like night and day. That's what he'd say. And this night and day experience is what Paul referred to when he asked the question. Turn to it, please. 1 Corinthians 3.16. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Where... Paul, the same thing, is with Enoch here, and Paul is asking the question, and he says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Know, and that's a very important word, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. That's a very valid question that God wants every believer, God wants each one of us to answer that for ourselves today. He's looking at each one of us, and God is saying, Do you know this? Are you consciously aware? That's the question. Are you consciously aware that your body is the temple of God? Are you consciously aware that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Now, you know, somebody might say, well, look, you know, I received the Lord as my Savior. I remember it so well. I wrote down the date. I said the words. I raised the hand. I did just what I was supposed to. And so I'm saved then God would say, I'm not asking you that. That's not the question. And some might say, look, I know that the Bible says 
the Spirit of God came into my heart when I received the Lord Jesus Christ. So I believe that He did come into my heart when I was saved. And God would say to that, that's not what I'm asking you. That's not what I'm asking you. I'm not asking you if you believe that your body is the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. This question is asking, are you consciously aware that your body is the temple of God? Are you consciously aware that the Spirit of God dwells in you? That's why Paul says, don't you know? Know ye not. What did he say? Yeah, know ye not. He said, know ye not. That's the word aido, aido, which means in the Greek there, to see or to be aware of. Do you see that your body is the temple of God? Are you seeing it that way? Are you aware of that? He didn't use the word posteo, which is from 1 John 5.13, these things have I written unto you that believe, posteo. He didn't say, do you believe this? He said, do you see this? Are you aware of this? So he's not asking what they believe, Paul. He's asking what they're aware of. And Paul is asking the question, do you see that you are the temple of God? Do you see that the Spirit of God is dwelling in you? Are you aware of it? Are you aware of the fact that you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God is dwelling in That's the issue. It's not an issue of what you believe. It's an issue of what you see, of what you are aware of, of how you see yourself. Then the next not logical question Paul would ask is, okay, so you say that you are aware that you are the temple of God and you do see that the Spirit of God is dwelling in you. So if this is true, then he would just say that. What difference has it made in your life? How is your life different or how is your life guided or what influence does your seeing this have on your life? What specific ways or times in your life has seeing that you are the temple of God, being aware that the Spirit of God is dwelling in you, how has it made a difference? How has it changed? How has it influenced you? Tell me about them. That's what Paul would say. And we were, if we were to ask Paul, well, you tell it me what differences is made in your life. Then Paul would, you maybe takes a seat again. I don't know. Anyway, he takes a seat and we interview him. We say, Paul, now tell me about this matter in your personal life. What difference was made in you that you see and are aware that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you? And Paul would say, oh, you know, he'd say, let me tell you. That's what he'd say. It has made a difference in my life. So turn to, if you would, Galatians 1. Galatians 1.15. Here, now keep in mind that we're talking about this dramatic change that happened in Enoch's life when he was 65 years old. This is what we're talking about. Enoch came to understand that he was the temple of God. He was, saw that, and the Spirit of God lived in him, and he walked with God. So here's Paul speaking about the same thing that happened, and he says in Galatians 1, 15 through 18, he says, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace to reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which are apostles before me, but I went into Arabia, of all places, and returned again unto Damascus. 
Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. So Paul would say, you know, God loved me that even when I was born, I didn't know it, but I didn't realize how much God loved me, but he loved me from the time I was born. And then came a day on the road to Damascus when I heard the voice of God calling to me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? In Acts 9, 4. And then Paul could say, and I realized with that voice, God was calling me by his grace. I was out to kill Christians, his people. I was persecuting him, is the way you put it. I was persecuting him. So it was the grace of God when I heard from heaven, Saul, Saul. It was the grace of God I wasn't reduced to a pile of ashes on the road to Damascus. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in just one moment here on Friendship with God. We want to encourage you to support the Friendship with God radio program. Maybe you listen to this Bible teaching, Old Testament teaching radio program while you're driving or listening at home or downloading and listening to these messages on the go. And you're growing in your knowledge of God and with your walk with God and friendship with God. We want to encourage you to just support this Bible teaching radio program. Tom Cantor received so many encouraging phone calls, letters, and emails about how you enjoy this Bible teaching radio program. We want to encourage you to support it so we continue airing on this station in this city. Call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051-800-247-3051 or go online to friendshipwithgod.org and donate online to support this Bible teaching radio program or again 800-247-3051. Now let's continue our Bible study with Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. It was the grace of God. And he says, he called me by his grace. And he called me by my name. And I was saved on that road. When I called the Lord Jesus Christ, when I called him God, I said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Acts 9, 6. And I was saved at that point. And then he told me to go into a certain city and by that, Paul would have told us that that was the time when God called me by his grace, saved me, I obeyed. But then look carefully at Galatians 1.16, and you'll see what God called Paul to do. See, in Galatians 15 it says, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal, see how the sentence keeps going, to reveal his son in me, Paul would say, yes, God called me, yes, I was saved, He told me to go into a certain city, but there was something higher in his calling on that day. Something overshadowing that happened to me on that day. And there was something that for eternity God has called me for. What Paul would say is that I'm trying to tell you that what I mean to say, and what he means to say in Galatians 1.16, is that God called me to reveal his son in me. That was the calling of God. As if God said to Paul, Paul, I'm calling to reveal, as he was saved, to reveal my son in you. Paul would say, I know I was saved and I became the temple of God. But from that moment, my calling was to see God begin this wonderful process that never ends of revealing his son in me, the spirit of Christ, as he's called in Peter. Paul would say that I got a great treasure when I was saved, and I believed it. But he might say, but I wasn't quite aware of it. I wasn't quite aware of it. I didn't see it. 
Enoch could say something like that too in the first 65 years of his life. I didn't see it, but when I began to become aware of this, when I began to see this, to be aware of it, to see it, to know it, I realized that I had the greatest treasure. And I'll explain it to you. And so if you want to look in uh, Colossians 1.26, where Paul says, uh, he's speaking here, he's speaking about a mystery. He said, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, dun da 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 says the Christ in you, the hope of glory. He said, this is a great mystery, which has been hid, and now it's being revealed. This is what he calls the riches of glory. And that is being now given to the nations, given to the Gentiles. And that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what Enoch became intensely aware of. When he saw it, when he was 65 years old, that he was the temple of God. That the Spirit of God was living inside of him. He realized this, he became aware of this, he saw this, and he started then to respond. And his response was walking with God. Walking with God as the temple of God. Walking with God as the Spirit of God inside of him. To talk with him, to pray without ceasing, to ask advice from God, to trust in God without ceasing. And in short, you can just say, Enoch became a friend of God. And that's what happened to him when he was 65 years old. He was never the same from that time on. And when Enoch reached this pinnacle of life, what he did is he learned that real life at that point consisted of John 15, 5, where he saw the Lord as the vine and himself as the branch. And he understood the truth of staying in the vine, abiding in Christ. And he understood this is the way that he would bring forth fruit for God. This is the way that he would be useful for God. And he understood that not walking with God, he said he can't do anything. He can do nothing. So God said, Enoch, now you learn that. And you've been doing that for 300 years, so earth has no more value for you, so you come up here now. And you live long enough. That's what happened to him. Now Enoch has a son in verse 29, Genesis 5, 29. Lamech, and Lamech has a son. So Lamech, it says there in verse 529, Genesis, he calls his name Noah, 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 saying, the same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. Six words in Genesis 5:29 give us the heart of Lamech. This really lays it on the line for what Lamech was saying. The six words are the work and toil of our hands. So Lamech is saying here to us that my life, when you distill it all down, is nothing more than work and toil. That's what he's saying. It's just work and toil. He wasn't lazy. Lamech's not a lazy man. He's a hard worker. But he's got a family. He's got a wife. They've got needs. They've got children. They need to be taken care of. And so Lamech, is, he was not, you know, he was always, when he was working, he was thinking about what he had to do next and what he was responsible for and and things were just going, and you know, everything wasn't going rosy for Lamech, you know. I don't know exactly what was, but the land that he was working there, he just wasn't really, well, he said that was cursed. And uh, so he's, you know, he's hoping for larger harvests, and 
and he got off the land, and it's just not coming through, and he's looking at all the work that he's, he's putting into, and he's just disappointed with the results. And he sits down, and he sighs, and he says, it's because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. And so here we see a man that's disheartened, and he's discouraged, and he's just, it seems as though he's working, working, working very hard, and he has nothing really to show for it. And he's just so down. And he's not just speaking for himself in verse 29. He's not just you know, saying to the family, I'm the only one who works around here. He's not doing that. Because what he says there, he says, you see in verse 29, it doesn't read, this same shall comfort me concerning my work and the toil of my hands. See, he says, this same shall comfort us. Another enlightening and edifying message from the Old Testament from Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God. And if you enjoy Tom Cantor's teaching, you'll love his writings. Now, Tom Cantor has written a powerful book that details 194 prophecies and fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ being the Messiah. Now, this book will show scriptures comparatively from the Old Testament prophecy with the New Testament fulfillment. Now, over 500 scriptures are denoted in this Prophecy and Fulfillment book by Tom Cantor. This amazing study reveals how Jesus of Nazareth was not just a historic figure, but the fulfillment of God's foretold plan to bring salvation to the Jews and Gentiles alike. A must-have for any Christian at Christmas time, and a great gift to give any Jewish person who may be searching for the truth and evidence of who the Jewish Messiah really is. Now, you can order this book, Prophecy and Fulfillment, by Tom Cantor by calling 800 247 3051 800-247-3051 again 800-247-3051 you can also order it online at our online bookstore located at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org and you can also download Tom Cantor's messages for free at friendshipwithgod.org or on itunes.com thanks for listening and join us tomorrow